This is the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security, for February 7, 2020. How to remove some Facebook tracking, a problem with encrypted emails and Spotlight, some Google photos were sent to strangers, a Twitter issue involves phone numbers over Christmas, hacking Google Maps traffic, and a popular drawing tablet collects data you might not realize is being collected. Now, here are the hosts of the Intego Mac Podcast, veteran Mac journalist Kirk McElhern and Intego's chief security analyst, Josh Long. Josh is angry this week. We've been talking for a while um, before we started recording, and Josh is unhappy. He's mad. He's upset. I think we mentioned last week that Facebook has provided a way that you can look at what they call off-Facebook activity. And that's an interesting term to indicate data that Facebook has recovered from other sources. We'll link to an article on the Intego Mac security blog that I've uh, written called How to View and Edit Your Off-Facebook Activity. In short, if you're on Facebook, go into the settings, look at your Facebook information, and then off Facebook activity, click view or tap view. I only had two items in there, and both of them are apps that I think I've used on my iPhone. But Josh has like 30, and when he looked, he got very mad. Yeah, this is surprising to me because I am one of those people who very specifically, intentionally logs out of Facebook whenever I use it. First of all, I don't use Facebook very often at all. Second, uh, when I do use Facebook in a browser, I log out when I'm done using it. Third, I have JavaScript blockers and add and tracking blockers that are supposed to prevent all this stuff from finding out that I'm using Facebook, you know, on one tab and and using other stuff in another tab. Um, and yet I have. So you're not using the Facebook app, correct? Uh, well, I do have the Facebook app installed on my phone. And I think that's where a lot of these things come from. Ah, see, I don't I haven't used the Facebook app in years, three or four years because it was such a battery hog. So I always use the browser. And like you, I have content blockers. And what I think is these two um, apps, it's a, the Facebook calls them apps and websites. It doesn't specify one or the other. One of them is an app that I know I used for a while, and the other is an app that I may have installed once. But I'm not seeing anything from weird websites. You're seeing things that you don't recognize, aren't you? Well, yeah. Uh, I see some things here that are really kind of strange. Um, the Home Depot, it says that uh, there's there, I've got a little badge with the number three next to the Home Depot, and it says, received November 18th, 2019. I'm like, okay, I've never installed the Home Depot app. And I've never gone to the Home Depot website. So how on earth is the Home Depot having some information related to my account? I have no idea. This is information that they are giving Facebook. It's not the other way around. So somewhere, an app that you're using has a cookie that's collecting data and sending it through Home Depot to Facebook. Is that how it works? Well, I guess I, I'm, this is all m pretty mysterious as far as I'm concerned, because as I said, I've, <laughs> I have no interactions with the Home Depot. I don't use their app. I don't use their website. Do you shop there? No, I, I, I haven't even okay. like been in a Home Depot uh, in that time frame since November 18th. So I, 
I have no idea where this came from. Um, but yeah, 30. I find this all very suspicious, to be honest. Yeah, 30 different things. And what I'm, what the pattern that I see here is that most of these things um, came from an app on my, on my iPhone. Um, and I do have the Facebook app installed. And, uh, you know, I'm trying to think if Apple, does Apple still have iOS integration for Facebook? I know they did once upon a time with. No, they took that out, I think in iOS 12, but do you use Instagram? Um, I, I do use Instagram. Yeah. And that's not one of the ones that I see listed here. Interestingly. No, but you wouldn't because it's a Facebook app. What I'm thinking is Instagram is somehow collecting this data. Could you have tapped on a Home Depot ad in the Instagram app accidentally? Uh, accidentally? <laughs> uh, maybe, but probably not. Do you ever tap on ads no. intentionally? No. Never? No. <laughs> These companies are wasting a lot of time marketing to you, Josh, I'll tell yeah, you. Yeah, that's a fact. Um, no, but I mean, so most of these things, as I, as I started to say, like, these are apps that I use that are showing up on here. So I, that's, that's where most of these things are coming from. But somehow, even though I've never, never in any of these apps authorized it to connect to my Facebook account, somehow, apparently by virtue of them being on the same phone where I have a Facebook app, I guess, Somehow they are connecting themselves or or making that link that identifies that I am a Facebook user and sharing data with, you know, there's some sort of data exchange between this company and Facebook. Is it possible that when you log into Facebook, there's a cookie in Safari or whatever browser you're using, Facebook gets data from that cookie. Is it possible that they're also recognizing you in another app somehow because they're getting identifying data about your phone, say a fingerprint from your phone that allows them to match your profile from Facebook in a browser to an app. You know, I, I know less about really how iOS works with all this stuff. And, and again, that's where it, the, the source of this stuff does seem to be iOS for me. Um, and so I'm, I'm very curious about this. And honestly, it makes me want to just uninstall the Facebook app um, because, um, this is a little bit shocking. I mean, I didn't really expect to see much here since you didn't see much, but you also yeah. don't have the Facebook app installed. And I think that must be where the key exactly. difference is. And I haven't had it for years. Yeah. yeah. Well, in any case, you can click or tap clear history, and then you can, um, turn off future off Facebook activity. And what this says is that it will, if you keep it on, it allows them to personalize your experience. And if you turn it off, they can no longer send you the same kind of personalized ads. This is assuming that they're being honest, that when you turn it off, it actually turns it off and they're not collecting data through other cookies somewhere. Right. And we'll have an article on the Intego Max Security blog where you can read more about this. Um, if you have a good memory or if you happen to be sitting in front of a computer right now, the, the short address is facebook.com slash off underscore Facebook underscore activity. That's how you can get there pretty quickly. Um, and you might be surprised at what you find there. I was a little bit upset about this. Okay, we've got a lot of news. We're going to go through some of this quickly. 
The Verge is saying that Apple patched a Catalina bug that showed unencrypted snippets of encrypted emails. Now, that sounds serious. And, and before the show, we were talking about this. We were trying to remember, um, was this something we talked about back in 2018? But it's not really the same thing, is it? No. Uh, we have an episode where we talked about something called e-fail. <laughs> um, and uh, so you should definitely look that episode up. We'll put a link in the show notes to that. Uh, that was a different issue. It was kind of also somewhat related. It had to do with uh, PGP encrypted emails. And the, what's different here is that this has to do with um, the spotlight feature of the operating system indexing things that are supposed to be encrypted. But it, what it's doing is it's indexing the unencrypted text after it's been decrypted. So PGP, it makes it possible to take any block of text and encrypt it or decrypt it. And it's usually used along with email so that people can send a message that's encrypted that can't be viewed in transit. That's kind of the idea. And uh, so apparently what was happening on macOS was that after an email had been decrypted, um, then it was getting indexed. And so that really shouldn't have been happening because that means that your spotlight index now has that stuff that's supposed to be encrypted in plain text. And so apparently that has been fixed. Okay, Google has admitted that some private videos in Google Photos were sent to strangers. Oh my goodness. Yes, <laughs> think about this. You think that your photos are secure, that your photos and videos, and you put them in the cloud, you trust Google, and you trust Apple, you trust Adobe, whoever you trust. And yet some of the videos were sent to strangers. Now, the, the sending is that people were actually downloading a bunch of data it's kind of it's the google takeout service it's, yeah it's not like right it's not like they got an email saying you know here's a video to look at but this is actually quite disturbing for a couple of reasons one is that well they're personal videos and there may be things on there that you don't want to share with other people but two they have location data attached to them as we mentioned um previously that people will know where the videos were shot and this is risky yeah, in fact, the, the GPS part of it, that's a really interesting point. So we should briefly mention Google Takeout. I, I think we've talked about it before on the show, but it's it's a service that allows you to download your data from Google to find out, okay, what exactly do they have about me? You can just download all of that. And um, so the idea here is that if because of this technical issue, someone who uh, had used Google Takeout may have gotten videos that were not theirs, that came from some random other person's Google account. Um, so you can imagine the kinds of videos that some people like to record that maybe they don't want other people to ever see. And, you know, you may not know who this video was made by, but as you say, um, well, videos often contain GPS information. And so you might be able to find out exactly where somebody lives whose video you received. So that's... People might be making new friends. Oh my, yeah. <laughs> um, so obviously this is really bad. Now Google says, you know, I, I'm not defending Google, but this is what they say. Only 0.01% of Google Photos users attempting takeouts were affected. Oh, oh, well. Okay, but Google has, you know, how many customers that uh, over a billion users of their photos yeah. app. So, um, yeah, that's still a pretty yeah. significant number. This should never have happened. Yeah. 
Okay. Um, speaking of privacy, we've got a Twitter issue. I like the way Twitter in their Twitter privacy center, we'll link in the show notes, says an incident impacting your account identity. They don't even say what happened. They just make it sound extremely vague. And, uh, you know, the companies have PR departments that are that are very expert at making serious things sound relatively banal. Um, in this case, it had something to do with the way Twitter names were matched to phone numbers. Right. So basically, a lot of people have given a phone number to to Twitter for the purpose of, uh, you know, SMS, two-factor authentication, right? Um, it, it, now, originally, the, the whole uh, idea behind Twitter in its very early days was that um, you would tie this to your phone because this was like actually pre-smartphones when Twitter first came out. And a lot of people would uh, send tweets through SMS, text messages, um, and they would also get message uh, updates when other people had tweeted something that, uh, that way, potentially. So so it made sense for Twitter to have your, your phone number. Eventually, though, um, you know, not everybody really needed to have a phone number tied to it. And it was more, I think, for a period of time, it was it, it has been increasingly the case that people don't really need to give Twitter their phone number, except if they want to use it for two-factor authentication. Um, and and in just until recently, um, that was the only two-factor method that they offered. You couldn't do two-factor unless it was with SMS. So therefore, Twitter has all of these people's phone numbers. And um, there's a, a feature in Twitter that lets you search for somebody by phone number. Um, so you can look up to see whether your friend is using the service, maybe using a username that you're not familiar with. Uh, and so there's an application programming interface and some um, people in foreign countries, uh, apparently IP addresses associated with Iran, Israel, and Malaysia uh, were, were using this Twitter API to just do these massive um, checks to to sort of find out uh, I guess what usernames were associated with what phone numbers for for some purpose that we don't necessarily know. Um, but Twitter identified that this was happening and they stopped it from happening any further. But um, apparently, this happened on Christmas Eve, 2019. So uh, a recent attack that they're just now telling us about in February. Um, we'll link to the um, Twitter article, and there's a link there talking about the let people who have your phone number find you on Twitter option. And if you click that, it takes you to your settings. And you'll also see an option to let people who have your email address to find you on Twitter. Um, good idea to uncheck both of those if they are checked. Yep. That's essentially adding more data to your Twitter account that you might not want leaked if there's a data breach. Yeah, I mean... And, and maybe for some people, this isn't a big deal because they kind of expect that it's pot, you know, it should be possible for people to look up, you know, who you, uh, what your Twitter profile is based on your number. If you, I mean, I, I don't know that this is that big of a deal necessarily, but it, it all depends. I mean, if you don't necessarily, if you're, if you try to stay private on Twitter, then this is a big deal, um, potentially for some people. Okay, very quickly, WhatsApp on Mac, if you haven't updated WhatsApp, you need to update it because 
the version that you have could allow attackers to access files. You know, we talked about the Jeff Bezos hack recently, and there was an article, I believe, in the New York Times that said, well, it wasn't WhatsApp. It was the, the too much security on iOS. Yet here, it's WhatsApp with a vulnerability that lets people get files off your device. So by all means, update it. Uh, when we were talking about this before the show, I was mentioning to Josh that sometimes the App Store app doesn't show me the little badge saying that I have updates. And I go in and I refresh it and I find a bunch of updates. And I did it just before the show and I found eight updates going back three days. And I'm not suggesting you check every single day like Josh does first thing in the morning when he gets up. Um, but do bear in mind that for some reason, it seems to maybe even take a week sometimes for updates to show up. So maybe if you got nothing to do when you're waiting for a bus or something, go into the App Store app and check for updates. Okay, let's take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about how security researchers actually find secrets. If you or someone you know has got a new MacBook or iMac or switched to the Mac from Windows, be sure to check out Intego's new Mac User Center. It's a one-stop collection of the things you'll need to know about using your Mac. Intego's new Mac User Center covers plenty of the basics to get you running smoothly and smartly in no time. Of course, one of the first steps you'll want to take is to install Mac security software from Intego to keep yourself protected. And right now, Intego Mac Podcast listeners can get 40% savings on Intego software, including Mac Premium Bundle X9. Mac Premium Bundle X9 is a suite of terrific Intego software that includes the antivirus, anti-phishing, and anti-spyware protection of Intego Virus Barrier, home and hotspot firewall security from Intego Net Barrier, parental controls for peace of mind from Intego Content Barrier, and much more to help protect, secure, and organize your Mac. Download the free trial of Mac Premium Bundle X9 from Intego.com today. And then use the promo code PODCAST19 at checkout to save 40%. That's PODCAST19 to save 40% on complete Mac protection and security with Intego's Mac Premium Bundle X9. Intego, devoted to protecting Apple products since 1997. Visit Intego.com today. Okay, before we get to our main topic, how security analysts work, some hacker slash performance artist did a really cool trick. He got 99 phones, put them in a red wagon, pulled them down some empty streets. Every phone had Google Maps open. And what he was able to do, this was in Berlin, what he was able to do was to cause Google Maps to show that there was traffic on all these streets. Because what Google Maps does is if you use the traffic feature on Google Maps and on Apple Maps, um, what they do is they get data from the people who are using the app to find how many cars there are. Now, let's say there's 100 cars in one block of a street. Maybe only 10 or 20 of them are using Google Maps, but the speed at which they move uh, indicates to Google that there is congestion. And so this guy did it with 99 phones and walked around these streets. And I don't, I just find this funny. Yeah. And, and I thought this was actually worth mentioning in the context of how security analysts work, because this is the kind of thing that, you know, somebody who is always thinking about security and privacy, like this, this is the kind of thing that comes to their mind. Hey, what would happen, <laughs> you know, if I did this? If. Yeah. 
Um, and, and this is actually really clever. So this, this sounds like, uh, like just a silly prank. And I mean, he, he really went to an extreme here getting 99 phones, which was probably way more than he actually needed to pull off this trick. Um, I suspect that he, especially for a small city street, he probably could have done this, you know, with maybe a dozen, two dozen phones, but uh, in any case, th- this is interesting from the perspective of um, you have to think like an attacker. Think, uh, try to think, you know, in every situation, like how could I exploit this? This was the uh, similar to the idea of the talk that I gave uh, a few months ago at MacTech conference. Think like an attacker, and that's exactly what this guy did, and. Well, he he found a way that, not surprisingly, um, <laughs> fooled Google Maps into thinking that there was congestion where there was not. Pretty clever. So in a way, this is like a distributed denial of service attack, right? That he's taking a whole bunch of devices that are telling Google this is bad. Now, imagine, imagine you're Tom Cruise and you want to prevent someone from going, you want to get someone to turn right instead of going straight because you're waiting for him when he turns right. You get a whole bunch of phones and you stick them in the trunk of a car on the street. And if they're using Google Maps to drive, they're going to turn right and you're going to catch them. Perhaps, yeah. If you know that the person you're targeting uses Google Maps or Waze and is relying on this data, then yeah, quite possible that you could trick somebody to take an alternate route. Okay, so the most interesting story this week is um, a guy named Robert Heaton, who's a software developer, um, has an article, Wacom Drawing Tablets Track the Name of Every Application That You Open. Wacom is a company that has been making these drawing tablets that work with a stylus for maybe 20 years. Is it that long? I mean, I remember these a long time ago. And he was very surprised that when he installed the drivers, he had to accept the company's privacy policy. Now, let's think about it. When you add a hardware device like a printer to your computer, you don't expect there to be a privacy policy, do you? Um, So he started sniffing around, and he wanted to find out what sort of data they were collecting. And it turns out that they were collecting the name of every single app he used, and they were sending it to a server. Um, what I like about this story, and you, if you're interested, please read this article. Um, he goes through the whole process of everything he did, all the apps he used to capture the traffic, to analyze it, setting up proxies, to figure out what was being sent. And this is exactly what someone like Josh does. And in fact, Josh, you're going to tell us that you've been kind of doing this with an app. You're not going to say what app it is yet, um, but you've been doing this to try and find out what a, another app is sending to their server. Yeah, so th- this in this case, this is uh, with the the Wacom tablet drivers. Uh, this was on a Mac, and so he was using uh, essentially the, the 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 process that he's using here is this. Um, most data really is encrypted in transit now. Um, it's not too often that you see something being transmitted over HTTP anymore because almost everything is using HTTPS now, and so. What, what's going on behind the scenes here is that he could see that some data was being transmitted from his computer to a server that apparently was controlled by Wacom. And so he said, okay, well, I want to see inside of that, but it's encrypted. So he used a, a software tool that's called a proxy um, that ran on his, his own system. Uh, and basically he set up his own man in the middle 
where he could see the encrypted traffic. Um, so before it actually got sent off to the server, um, it would get, uh, you know, it, this, this would all be uh, revealed to him. And any replies that he got back also could be uh, revealed. So that's the idea is set, setting up a, this, this man in the middle proxy. And so what he, that's exactly how he found what data was being sent to Wacom. And then he started like poking around and realizing, well, wait a minute. So every time I switch apps, it's, it's recording the name of the app and sending that off to the company. That is so weird. Why on earth would they need to know that? Um, and so it was doing this via a URL string, the, you know, like, just like an address you see in a, in a browser bar. And so there's, there's a portion of this URL that says essentially foreground app changed. And then it would say the name of the app that it was, that it changed to. So in his example screenshot, he shows Google Chrome and he talks about, um, you know, what if, I worked at a company where I was testing programs that were not supposed to be public knowledge. And what if the name of my app gave away something about this, you know, secure app that I'm, I'm working on. And he, he gives kind of a silly example for those who, uh, who like video games, half-life three test build. So (laughs) he's saying, obviously I don't care about the secrecy of valve's new games, but I assume that valve does. So the idea is um, this is leaking information about apps that you're using without really getting your explicit permission. And he said, this kind of ticked me off. Yeah, I don't see why they need to do this. Um, They do need to know what the frontmost app is. We'll link to a tweet where Wacom replied to this person posting a link to the article and they say, Thank you for reaching. The recent Mac updates added many security features to keep the computer safe from applications not downloaded from the App Store. This requires additional security settings to be changed for the tablet driver to work. Well, yes and no. By the way, um, this is breaking news. (laughs) As we're recording, apparently that tweet got deleted where Wacom responded. Ooh. So two things. It's not keeping a computer safe from applications not doubted from the App Store. Um, They can't prevent you from using any app. But there are additional security uh, settings in Catalina for this. In order for an app to know what the frontmost window is, it has to register as a screen recorder. And I know this because I have a friend who's a developer who makes an app who's gone through all sorts of problems for his app because of that. It's not recording the screen, but that's the only API in macOS that works, and you'll find this in the security and privacy settings um, on the Mac. So every time someone changes a window, it's gonna be able to get a list of which app and which window, and I think Wacom is doing the same thing. For whatever reason, they need to know what the frontmost app is, probably so they can send the data to the app, but you're drawing on the tablet, and it's going into Photoshop or whatever. But interestingly, this has nothing to do with keeping the computer safe from applications not downloaded from the App Store. Why they would need to send it to a server, that I don't get. Right. That's the mysterious part. Exactly. It totally makes sense that they would need to know what the frontmost app is, but it does not make sense that they should be sending the name of that app to their server every time you switch apps. That is so weird and such a strange, like, like why on earth would they possibly need to know that? Who, who at Wacom is digging through these logs and trying to figure out, okay, oh, yeah, okay, I see, well, somebody's using this app now. Who cares? Why, why do you need to know that? 
Well, I just thought of something. Maybe if they know which apps are being used, they'll pay more attention to compatibility with their tablet with different apps. Okay. Is that possible? Fair. You know, fair. you can ch- you can check a box in, in macOS and iOS for analytics data to be sent to yes. Apple. And this data can include things like what's going wrong and what apps you're using and which features you're using as well. So perhaps it has something to do with that. Mm. But if that were the case, I would expect Wacom to explain that yes. on Twitter rather than saying, you know, security apps not downloaded from the App Store. Right, exactly. Well, I, so I think what happened here, as also evidenced by the fact that they apparently deleted this tweet while we were recording, um, <laughs> the person who posted that on Twitter probably really didn't know what they were talking about. Um, but uh, yeah, it's clearly that's that wasn't. Uh, accurate information, but, um, you know, th- this, this is definitely the kind of thing that it's, it's fine. If a developer really thinks they have a legitimate need to know this information, if they very explicitly and clearly tell the user, Hey, we want to collect this and get your permission to get that information right. from you. If they're not to say why, and, and I have plenty of apps that when I launched them the first time, they ask if they can collect data. Yeah. It seems to be normal. Other apps, if they crash, they'll say, you know, will you agree to send a log, for example, um, so they can diagnose the issues. There was a similar story um, a week or so ago about someone who I don't know where he got all this data from, but that every time he used his Kindle and tapped to to turn a page on the Kindle, um, all this data was being sent to Amazon. And he was wondering, well, why is Amazon collecting all this data? When you think about it, one of the beauties of the Kindle is that I can read a book on my Kindle, and then I can go to my iPhone and continue from the same spot, and then I can go to my iPad and continue from the same spot. So when you tap to change a page, the Kindle is sending the data to Amazon in your account to say, in this book, this is the last location. Um, they call this feature Whisper Sync, and you can turn it off. But this, to me, seems a feature, not a bug. Right. Yeah. It, it, see, it, in, in the case of Whisper Sync, though, uh, Amazon is very clear that they're doing this, right? It's not something that like f- it's a, that should feel like, oh, this is a big privacy concern because they tell you right up front, we do this to make it easy for you to switch back and forth between devices and pick up right where you left off. Um, so that that's like an expected feature. And the thing that Wacom is doing is like uh, something that nobody really expected. Why would they have any reason to think that Wacom was collecting that information? Yeah, and think of any streaming service you use. It's recording information. Apple Music and Spotify record information about what you're listening to. Netflix knows where you stop um, watching something so you can pick it up on another device. Uh, Think of anything that you have that requires continuity um, on a service uh, across different devices, and it's definitely recording what you're doing. So don't expect total privacy in your actions, Um, but the interesting issue here is why as you say, why they're doing it. Now, you've been analyzing some apps for something similar and just a quick overview of how you've been going through this. Right. In my case, uh, rather than uh, than Mac apps, lately I've been looking at iOS apps. And uh, yeah, I've, I've seen some kind of interesting things. Uh, there, there was one app in particular that I'd always kind of suspected was maybe copying information from my clipboard and sending it off to a server. I mean, I could tell it was reading data from my clipboard. Sometimes when you switch into certain apps, it will 
you know, prompt you something based on what's on your clipboard. So for example, if you uh, are searching, maybe you have a phone number copied to your clipboard and then you switch to an app that looks up phone numbers and tells you who called you, um, that kind of a thing. And in, in this particular case, um, I switched to an app that I knew was looking at my clipboard and they didn't say anything about this in their privacy policy, but, um, but the nature of the app sort of led me to believe that they probably were sending this off to a server. So I started up a proxy on my iOS device and I checked it out. I looked at the encrypted traffic and yeah, sure enough, they're sending it to, to a server, anything that I have in my clipboard. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, one character long or a whole paragraph long. So, and that means that if I've got it doesn't matter if it's an email that you copied or a password that you copied temporarily yeah. to paste into an well, app. Well, see, and that's the thing. What if I have a password on my clipboard when I switch to that app? Um, yeah. That means that my password now is stored in plain text on somebody's server in Germany, in this case. And <laughs> what? How? How? Why? And this is not even mentioned anywhere in their privacy policy that they're doing anything like this. So before I, you know, reveal to the world what this app was, and of course I will do a complete write up on it. But um, I'm working with that company to try to uh, get them to resolve this issue first. And uh, yeah, so just be be careful, man. There's so much stuff out there. This is an app that's, by the way, in the iOS app store has been for years and it's been doing this for years and nobody's ever noticed that there was a problem except for me. <laughs> okay, Josh, I look forward to reading your write-up until next week. Stay secure. All right. Stay secure. Thanks for listening to the Intego Mac podcast, the voice of Mac security with your hosts, Kirk McElhern and Josh Long. To get every weekly episode, be sure to subscribe at Apple Podcasts or in your favorite podcast app. And if you can, leave a rating, a like, or a review. Links to topics and information mentioned in the podcast can be found in the online show notes for the episode at podcast.intego.com. The Intego website is also where to find details on the full line of Intego security and utility software. Intego.com. <laughs>